Welcome to Teacher Quit Talk. I'm Miss Redacted. And I'm Mrs. Frazzled. Every week we explore the teacher exodus to find out what, if anything, could get these educators back in the classroom. We've all had our moments where we thought, what the hell am I doing here? From burnout to bureaucracy to soul-sucking stressors and creative dead ends. From recognizing when it was time to go to navigating feelings of guilt and regret afterwards, we're here to cut out the gaslighting and get real about what it means to leave teaching. We've got insights from former teachers from all over the country who have seen it all. So get ready to be disturbed. Join us on Teacher Quit talk to laugh through the pain of the U.S. education system. We'll see you there. Hi, I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of the Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay? Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. This is Prevail. Welcome to the program. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. A therapist can help you become a better problem solver. Get unstuck with BetterHelp. For 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash Greg. Start living a better life today. We've got a great show, not just a show, the season finale. Season four of the Prevail Podcast. Gal Suburban is here. I'm going to be off for three weeks. So I'm giving you like two weeks of content here. This is like a double album with Gal Suburban. It's because of my stupid COVID brain where I'm looking at the clock and I'm trying to make it an hour. And uh, we started talking at 1130 and I, I landed the plane like right at the, you know, half past the hour. And then I realized it was 130 and not 1230. So I lost an hour. I just lost track of time. And maybe it's COVID brain. And maybe it's just because it was it was a good conversation. We were having a good time. So we hit all kinds of topics that you're going to be interested in, that you're going to uh, want to know what she thinks about. Because as we know, people that listen to the show and read her work on Twitter and elsewhere, the stuff she's paying attention to winds up being important later on. So um, very grateful to her for coming on and celebrating the end of the season not the end of the fuckery, unfortunately, but the end of the season. couple of quick things. There was a little bit of an audio problem, I would say, with the recording. So it sound, almost sounds like you're playing. It's like a record that you're playing. So I apologize for that. We did everything we could to try to fix it. It cannot be fixed. But uh, you'll, you'll hopefully not uh, hold it against me. Uh, Schedule-wise, I'm going to be off for three weeks. Um, season five of the Prevail podcast. Coming at you, February 17th. I think the new season. Yeah, season five. 
Holy shit, we're in season five already. Crazy how the time flies. Again, I just want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for uh, sticking with me and supporting me during what was a not very pleasant end of 2022 and kind of a very, very busy beginning of 2023. I'm trying to, you know, get the content out as much as I can. And uh, I've just gotten a lot of support and notes and, you know, letters and emails from people. And I, I appreciate it. I appreciate everybody who subscribes to uh, my Substack. The Substack subscriptions subsidize this podcast. They subsidize everything that I do and make me continue doing the work that I'm doing here. So um, if you want to support the show, that's the best way to do it. Sign up for the Substack. Subscribe. I hope everybody had a great year in 2022. I hope everybody has an even better year in 2023. And I don't want to talk too much because, again, this is like a double album. It's like uh, physical graffiti or something. Um, it's The Wall is what it is. It's the White Album with Gal Suburban. So I'm going to stop talking. We'll be right back with Gal Suburban. The stand where runs the man, the sunshine state dictator. Suburban, welcome back. Hey, how's it going? Happy twenty twenty three. Yeah, hey, is that what year it is? I think so. Okay. I think so. Um, okay. I haven't seen you in a while. How were your uh, How were your holidays? Oh, they didn't feel like holidays. I don't think. Probably not yeah. for you either. But yeah, just no, uh, they, yeah. yeah. You have now. You do the do you do the Christmas thing like the tree and the Santa and all that? Yeah, we do. We do that. We're not like, we're not really crafty or very good at it, but we, you know, we did the elf on the shelf okay. for the kids. Yeah. Do yeah. They, you have three kids. So that, I mean, are, are they happy on Christmas? Cause we, when my kids were little, usually Christmas, there were tears at some point always, despite our, <laughs> our best efforts. So uh, I, is that the case? Did you pull it off? Were they happy on Christmas morning? Yeah, they are slightly spoiled. I would say in, in a very, uh, teachable way so anytime like they want something new they have to donate they have to pick out something and fill up a box and donate it to somewhere oh that's nice okay good so we try and do that at least (laughs) okay my kids want something usually we just get it for them and then you know so they have everything that they need and then christmas comes and we're like what the we got to you know we got to get you more shit now like i don't understand yeah (laughs) yeah that happened here we had to get like a you know a giant uh hot wheels uh I'll probably say it wrong and my son will be so mad at me, but it's like the Hot Wheels Ultimate Garage Airdrop something. That's a giant thing with a gorilla that knocks cars off of a, I don't know. I don't even know. Entertaining for him. I don't even know how to begin (laughs) visualizing that, but yeah, as long as it keeps them entertained, I think that's the main thing is we're, 
we're trying to buy peace and quiet. You know, that's really what it amounts to. We're going to get yeah. up really early. You're going to open this shit and then we can just maybe just hang around for the rest of the day and not have a, and it would be okay. You know, I spent the whole day building like a dollhouse. So oh. unfortunately all the gadgets and gadgets are like, they all have to be built. And, you know, of course they all want all of them built. They multitask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm done with that phase of things. I think the things that I yeah. buy now, they're, they're old enough that they'll just take them and it'll be something that's, already put together or a Lego set that they want to put together. So I don't have to, you know, yeah. I, I don't have to do anything, which is always nice because you know, it's always a plus. Yeah. Especially on that day. It is a holiday. It's a day of rest. We're supposed to just relax, you know, and, That's uh, right. and we need, we need relaxation. So I wanted to have yeah. you on, um, this is going to be the finale of season four, by the way, you're the finale. Oh my of gosh. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I'm we bring honored. out the heavy hitters for the finale. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so there's lots of stuff going on. I've been a little bit out of the loop because of the COVID and, and other factors in my life. So I haven't been paying attention quite as uh, um, assiduously as normal. Um, so I wanted to have you on. And what I'd like to do, at least at the beginning, is get your take on a couple of big picture things. Just, you know, we don't have to go into any great detail. Just I want to hit on a couple topics and see uh, where your head's at with things. And then later on, we'll talk about uh, some of the stuff that you've been doing research on and get updates on on what's going on there and uh, and other stuff that you think that we should be paying attention to. Because cool. as listeners of the podcast know, stuff that you think we should be paying attention to is stuff that we should be paying attention to. <laughs> it, has, it has come to pass. There's a body of evidence now that this is something smart that we should be doing. So um, I want to start with the J6 committee. Um, which is, you know, wound up and done, you know, certain things. I, I, I'm of two minds about it. I think that it's great that it happened. I think Pelosi did a wonderful job managing it and getting everybody on the same page and putting Kinzinger and, and Cheney on there to make it bipartisan and all of this stuff. And I think that it did do the, the very essential basic job of in a very remedial way, explaining to the American people that um, this thing happened. It was really bad and Trump was responsible which is all good, especially since, you know, it's not necessarily their job to investigate crimes. Um, but on the other hand, uh, you know, lots of people that were involved in this thing were not mentioned at all. And my sense reading your tweets and is that you seemed a little bit disappointed by by the the conclusions and that it wound up so quickly. So what what are you thinking now about it? Yeah, I mean, I I try and find a little bit of like silver lining when I think about it because I know that they had time constraints and um, they had budgetary constraints. I they may have put those on themselves, um, kind of based off of like Denver Riggleman's kind of assessment after he left the committee. Um, I know that he particularly wanted a larger budget for the you know the team that kind of he was heading up, which was like all the data. We just had tons and tons of uh, text messages and um, social media and all that kind of stuff that really required a more robust analysis. And I, so I think that's where um, a lot of information could have been found. I mean, it's, when I think about it, they had to go and they had to make Trump politically toxic. Yeah. I know a lot of people want to say that's, oh, it's Cheney's opponent. I'm not really, not sure it was just Cheney. I think he, he really needed to be ousted in a way that was, you know, firm and clear. Um, and I think in order to present 
such a, a story to the public, especially the public in an information war, you have to be really concise. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of reason why they can't really go on off into these nuances and explain what happened 30 years ago and what happened. They can't give you the history and then they can't give you the lead up and the event and the after. They just can't, they don't have the capability to do that, nor is, was that what they were tasked with. I think they missed the opportunity to at least introduce um, through like, you know, having somebody like Ruth Ben Yat or yeah. uh, Kristen Stewart or some, an expert in uh, Christian nationalism testify at least to some of the symbolism we saw at the, at the Capitol with the, you know, appeal to heaven flags and the, you know, the different prayers and the Jericho March and things that were really symbolic of a very dangerous uh, extremist Christian sect that was really in operation on that day. I think they missed an opportunity to intro that. But other than that, I think, you know, they did an okay job giving the basics. I wish that the Senate would have taken over because I know that even the House thinks that they didn't have enough time and they needed to pump this stuff out. You know, part of what, you know, kind of ruined the Christmas time because I'm sitting here like, oh, shit, there's all these transcripts. Know, like, oh, family or transcripts, family or transcripts, <laughs> you know, like, uh, oh, it's Giddy's transcript. Okay, guys, I got to go for an hour, you know, <laughs> but like, um, you know, they had to push all this stuff out. So I do kind of wish that it, even them acknowledging they didn't, it, they didn't take it to completion in its entirety that the Senate didn't pull it into them, you know, with Democrats in control there and continuing the investigation that I think they know needs to happen. Yeah. So that's the thing. I didn't, I didn't get to read any of the transcripts in any kind of like serious way because I just, I just haven't had time. Um, I feel like, you know, here's, it's like reading assignments. Whenever this stuff comes to some conclusion and we never know when, for me, it's always inconveniently timed. It's like the Mueller report came out when I was, on a vacation down the shore, you know, supposed to go to the beach. And I'm like, fuck, I got to read this thing now, you know? And, and, uh, <laughs> and it's huge. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Mostly just scanning it to make sure I didn't fuck anything up in my own writing. And, um, you know, and I didn't, and this is even more because there's so many different characters and players and there's things that came up in the transcripts. I think that are interesting that don't necessarily have to do with the insurrection per se, but some of the side shit that was going on, you know, like one of the things about Kushner saying that he's not going to give um, the Biden people uh, any COVID information during transition, which yes. that guy is just a fucking ghoul. But, it, you know, that has nothing to do with yeah, J6, is. but that's a that's a, a relevant piece of information as we're yeah. sitting on a million Americans dead. Um, anyway, I don't want to no. talk about that jerk. No, he's a jerk. He comes up in guineas also. Um, but yeah, I mean, just applying any sort of like analysis uh, when you know a lot of these different players that maybe aren't spoken of very much when you're reading through some of these, I mean, don't get me wrong. I haven't read very much cause I'm really meticulous in how I go through them, but you can, they're lying. Like it, you yeah. can take one transcript of somebody who was interacting with somebody else and they're telling a different story about the same uh, text message or the same event or the same phone call or whatever. And so it's trying to figure out, you know, who was, who should you compare between, I mean, it's a, I just think it's a long, long process. So anything that's coming out about these transcripts kind of requires a little bit of I, I would say pause to get the full, you know, network um, information because 
it there a lot of them are lying <laughs> like straight up lying it's almost it's weird when you have a, an entire administration of liars that they would lie under oath it's 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 crazy yeah yeah so okay so the second piece is we talk you know congress isn't responsible for executing the laws the executive branch is which means that whatever determinations they made should we charge Trump? Should we not? Whatever. And they they have recommended to the DOJ that, yes, they should. Um, it falls at the feet of the Justice Department and Merrick Garland to do this stuff. And it looked like to me that the Justice Department hasn't really taken this on with the urgency that it, that it seems to require, um, especially looking at what's happening in Brazil now when they managed to arrest all the people like, oh. you know, the day it happened. Uh, which would have been easier than just posting pictures on Twitter two years after the fact. Do you know this asshole? <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I know that there's the whole uh, legal Twitter and half of them think that Garland is going by the book because he's blah, 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 blah. And then half of them think that he's a complete useless waste. And I usually I just sort of toggle between those two extremes, like a, like I'm playing Pong or something like that. And uh, yeah, so. But he did, I think, sparked by whether Trump saying he's going to run for president, which to me is who gives a shit if he's running or not. He's the yeah. biggest criminal we've ever produced. Arrest him, dumbass. Or the fact that Congress, uh, in the form of the J6 committee, recommended that he be charged. So he put this Jack Smith dude in, in, in and made him special counsel. You know, part of me is like, oh, yay, he's going to come and kick ass. And then, you know, 75 percent of me is like, OK, this is another waste of fucking time and another way to just kick the can down the road and hope everybody forgets. Yeah. So what's your take on on Garland and the DOJ and all this stuff? Oh, yeah, that's a <laughs> it's it's big. I mean, I, I feel like I toggled between the two also because i i i just fundamentally want to believe in yeah. justice right yeah. like i just have this like you know foundational understanding of if you do something wrong there are consequences right i mean i grew up with a dad who was a police officer my mom was an attorney so i just have had this kind of foundational belief sorry for my rooster um my foundational <laughs> belief <laughs> uh you know that rule of law and that you you know, follow the laws. And that may have been, you know, simpler for me as like a white woman. And I understand that and I acknowledge that. And there are changes that clearly uh, need to be made, but I still want to believe at the end of the day that it has kept us safer and more secure as a country. So I want to believe that it, it exists and that it's, that it's applied equally. Um, sorry, should I start? Oh, I can barely hear the rooster. It's good. Oh, thank goodness. The rooster is just, ex ex she, the rooster's, she, he's just accentuating your points. He's giving emphasis. Yes, I apologize. But yeah, and I, so I think, you know, I've been, I've been disappointed kind of just in, in all reactions to all of it, right? Like, um, <laughs> not that I think that, you know, I don't think that like in comparison to Brazil, it's maybe, I, I don't know enough about, Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Do you need a rooster sound effect? Uh don't worry about the rooster. I don't care about the rooster. Okay. Nobody listening cares about the rooster. Right. Okay, sorry guys. <laughs> like to add color to the to the broadcast, you know. He'll be done and um he's very What's funny about the rooster is that there's two cute puppies laying behind you in a bed that I uh, I will start 
wake up at some point i think i don't know that'll be the trigger to end the show i guess I, yeah i have a family farm here going on yeah. so yeah we're just living that covid life right <laughs> everybody's <laughs> collecting these weird animals and now i have this damn rooster anyway so we i've been disappointed i guess in the reaction from kind of every everyone and everything at this point because i just feel like you know jan jansic's committee did a, a well enough job to show criminality um and planning and execution of you know a coup and i think people need to call it a coup yeah. a, you know a, a fascist coup to install a fascist idiot you know i just media has been really disappointing um democrats i don't think are fighting i think that you know they're still kind of thinking they should go high and you know um you know what i mean like i just you know so it's one of those things where with jack smith i mean he seems cool he kind of seems like a badass superhero right i mean he would likely have better time selling nft cards than donald trump (laughs) Oh, with his, you know, badass, like purple and beard and all that. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think we have this like tendency to rely on like a superhero type character to defeat a villain. Um, and so we, we don't necessarily, you know, put the right efforts in the right places to facilitate that superhero to like, I don't know, maybe not have to like lift the car while he holds the building up, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, putting it all on a certain person to handle it. Yeah, it, it's like in the old Batman show that was on when I was a kid, um, Batman would always have to come in and do, you know, solve the crimes. And then it would cut to like the chief of Pol- Commissioner Gordon and the chief of police talking about, thank God for Batman. What would we do without Batman? Like they can't even leave the room. You know, I don't think they were they were ever even out of the police headquarters. And it's like that kind of thing. The savior is always some white guy. It's usually an old white guy. It's usually an old Republican-leaning white guy. So Jack Smith at least isn't that old. He's like my age. So at least we got that, I suppose. Um, I don't know. You know, the the the, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. So we'll see how uh, when there's indictments, there'll be indictments. And until then, I don't know. I'm just going to I'm going to hope that there are and assume that there never will be. Um, now, speaking of indictments and, and special counsels, Garland, after waiting like a million fucking years to do Jack Smith, Biden has two documents at his house and does exactly the right thing, which you're supposed to do. And uh, no, we have to have this this new special counsel to the point where I just was starting laughing. I was giddy about, you know, are the is the council really special? Like how many special councils can we have here? Is every third guy a special yeah. counsel? I'm reliably how informed. This is another. How many does it take to nullify special? This yeah. is a Trumpy guy, um, a Trump appointee, a Federalist Society dude. I'm reliably informed that in at Harvard, where he went undergrad, wore shorts and a t-shirt outside on the quad, even when it was very cold, even though he's from California, whatever that means. And and uh, I don't know. I'm just telling you. I'm just giving you my intel here. But the whole documents business sounds to me like. And I know a lot of people have thrown this around like it's been leaked or planted that way. I think it's just if you have these jobs, there's just a fuck ton of these documents. It's not like there's five. It's not like the Infinity Stones where there's five of them or seven or whatever. There's a lot of them. And sometimes, you know, they're there and they're not. And uh, there's ways that you're supposed to manage it when that happens. And just because one or two or 10 stray documents are at your house, now they're like, Documents are found at Biden's house. Of course there are. It's, it's the fucking president. He's allowed to have documents at his house while he's the president. But like maybe there's just a lot of these things around 
And I don't know. Do you feel like they're trying to push this narrative now to kind of balance it out? Or do you think something nefarious is happening that I, well, you know, I, I hate to be like, I don't, I don't like to get like too conspiratorial, yeah. but, but, but of course <laughs> the others in it, but I'm the one asked the question. So, <laughs> you know, I, now that there's more and more and more, um, coming out, I mean, it kind of seems just, you know, it, it less like there is a conspiracy afoot, you know, initially when it first came out, I was like, God, this is really convenient yeah. timing for these people, you know? And I, and I thought about how DHS and the Secret Service deleted their phones uh, messages mm -hmm. from January 6th and how um, Biden has been uncomfortable and distrusting of yes. the Secret Service for a, a long time, you know, and specifically like about the dog bite situation and all sorts of things where there was really kind of, you know, Trumpian people still there um that you know he wasn't comfortable with and so that obviously lends to you know that kind of oh, is there a conspiracy afoot to provide you know comfort to donald trump um or cover for him but you know as more documents come out it's it's hard you know it's hard to really you can't really go that far i don't think at that point when yeah, yeah. you know they're at a couple of different places and things like that. But I've also, from other experts, I've listened to a lot of people and read a lot of, uh, you know, people who know a lot more than me. And I've seen a lot where they, uh, there's been complaints, I think, bipartisan uh, about the classification of documents. Like after, you know, whatever it might be, if a conflict is over or something has happened, like there needs to be a process that allows more transparency to the public. And so there's a lot of times where documents really shouldn't be in those classification statuses anymore, yeah. but still are. And so they're not as sensitive as they once were when they were originally classified that way. But now they're, you know, maybe they should have been declassified at some point or, and so I, I don't really know how to assess that, you know, yeah. just without. I just hope it's not a situation where, you know, they're going to use, I mean, they are going to use it no matter what, but to to kind of do the whataboutism Kremlin playbook bullshit that he does uh, when he does those things, uh, which is annoying. Um, I have a couple more things I want to ask before we get into the, into the bread and butter, but uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Gal Suburban. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp Therapy Online. For 10% off your first month, Go to betterhelp.com slash Greg. Start living a better life today. Now, unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual. It would be great, right, if you knew what to do in every situation that you ever encountered. Life is complicated. Stuff's tricky. You never know really what's going to work and what's not. So when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient, secure, and accessible anywhere. I mean, anywhere you have, you know, online. As you know, I've used this. I've recommended it to my friends. I've recommended it to listeners privately apart from the ad. I think it's really great. I think therapy, especially now in this day and age, with all the crazy stuff happening, is absolutely essential. Um, you know, if you're on the fence about it, please do it. Just, you know, try BetterHelp and sort yourself out. Everyone deserves to feel their best. BetterHelp makes it easier to get started. 
as the world's largest therapy service. The largest. They've matched millions of people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. All the benefits of in-person therapy. Plus, it's more convenient, more accessible, and more affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. Things aren't clicking. You can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. Couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms. No traffic. No endless searching for the right therapist. And as I've said before on the pod, what's important to me is you, you find somebody really pretty quickly. Which, if you're in crisis enough that you want to find a therapist, you don't want to take a month and a half to do it. So that's, to me, wonderful. So, yeah, get unstuck with BetterHelp. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Greg. That's BetterHelp.com slash Greg. Start living a better life today. Okay, we're back with Gal Suburban. We've moved away from the rooster. Does the rooster have a name? Uh asshole right now <laughs> no. <laughs> no, my kids named him smoky because he's like gray and black and white or something okay. so that's okay smoky making his presence felt i i honestly i could barely hear the rooster at all yeah i <laughs> oh thank goodness <laughs> i can definitely hear it and it's quite loud yeah speaking of roosters yes you know uh parading around strutting around uh, the hen houses. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is now the speaker after uh, 15 tries. And I don't know, I'm not comfortable with this traitor being second in line to the presidency. I'm not comfortable with Matt Gates, your your buddy down there, having so much power or Marjorie Taylor Greene having so much power. But what's your thought about McCarthy? Do you think it's going to j- be okay and they're just going to implode because they can't do anything? Or is it is there something really we should be afraid of here? Yeah, I mean, I I just think normalizing this behavior at all is dangerous, whether they accomplish anything through it or not. I just think the process of platforming and giving so much airtime to people who, you know, have no loyalty to the country or to the rule of law or democracy or, you know, anything important besides themselves and their, their own, you know, personal aspirations, like, is dangerous. Whether any of their bills get through or not really isn't, I think, the, the real danger. The real danger is the disinformation, yeah. the information war, the radicalization that they're accomplishing, and just normalizing this kind of polarized rhetoric and political violence. I just, yeah, I think is the most dangerous part of them. Yeah, it looked it looked bad. Yeah, uh, Kevin McCarthy is just a pussy. I mean, <laughs> like I'm just gonna say it, yeah. like I. It's just what he, I mean, he's just a coward. He's weak. And I mean, I just, how pathetic must you be, you know, to, to just bow to all of these people. I, I don't get it. Like I, maybe I just have more I don't know, self-esteem, self-esteem than yeah. that. Um, yeah. You, <laughs> I, I feel like with some of these guys, they're incapable of being shamed and we know this, but that also means they're incapable of being humiliated. Like, you know, you take someone like a Ted Cruz I mean, he legitimately seems to get off on being humiliated publicly to the point that I, I, I not even being like, that's not even a metaphor. It's like, what's wrong with you that you're constantly doing this all the time? And I don't think that any yeah. of this shit bothers Kevin McCarthy at all. The fact that he was a complete laughingstock and we all know this is a joke. It's like, you know, he'll go in there, lie, pretend he has some big sweeping mandate. And isn't it great that I'm the speed? Is it? I mean, you know, 
the last great Republican speaker was a serial pedophile. So I don't know. Is it great that you're a GOP speaker of the House? I don't know, Kevin McCarthy. I just think. <laughs> well, there has to be like a circle around these people who encourage and enable them. I mean, you know, yeah. like, so obviously someone is telling them, oh, don't listen to all those people. Like, you're wonderful. But, you know, I think even doing that, a lot of times some of those people are obviously disingenuous. And they're using people like, you know, Ted Cruz and mm -hmm. people and Marjorie Taylor Greene who are willing or at least can't acknowledge they are completely hypocritical and being exploited for their idiocy, right? But they're using them as weapons to damage the democratic process. So whether they know it or not, you know, somebody is in their ear telling them they're fucking special. Yeah. Obviously. No, it's true. And, I mean, <laughs> and uh, you know, and... For all we know, I mean, they may just never have been working for this country, in which case they're, you know, the people telling them that or there are their handlers. I don't know, because I don't know. I mean, at a certain point when everything you do is actively uh, weakening the country and fucking over as many Americans as possible, you have to ask the question, like, who are you really working for? Like, what's your deal? You know, and I'm not saying, that, yeah. you know, that. uh as McCarthy said of, of Rohrabacher that he's being paid or anything, but ultimately if you're carrying water for the Kremlin, whether you're getting paid or whether you know it or not, you're still carrying water for the fucking Kremlin. And that's what you're doing. Yeah. So I feel like yeah. now there's this stuff is with the Ukraine war, with the invasion, everything is so easy to see because Putin is now so clearly bad that it, it's he, he's irredeemable. You cannot justify anything that he's done. So to stay with him, and even try to to uh, trumpet the Kremlin talking points at this point is just, you know, it's a slap in the face of of democracies everywhere. And this guy's clearly the enemy. And uh, I don't know, makes me mad. Yeah, oh, me too, yeah. for sure. My husband went over there, I think. I, I don't know if we talked about that before. My husband uh, was deployed like on three or four days notice to assist NATO right before the invasion. You know, so I think from like a military family's perspective, it's a slap in the face yeah. to my husband and his uh, patriotism and his dedication to um, to the country and, and mine. And, um, you know, for these these guys to be out here saying America first and we should we should fund them and they're, you know, Nazis and love. I mean, just so many lies and all this shit. And I just feel like, God, for, you know, the party that pretends, you know, has co-opted co this word patriot, they sure don't have a clue what it actually means. You know, they've, they've done nothing but make our military less uh, ready. They've destroyed our readiness through their anti-vaccine campaigns and their bullshit about CRT and wokeness military yeah. what the fuck is that word stop with that i can't stand that word i hate that word i want everybody to stop using that stupid word it's so stupid but you know just when you're disgracing general milley and our our military leadership like what do you think that's doing to the morale of the troops like and the people that if you're your arch nemesis China decides to come and hurt America. What the fuck do you think is going to happen when you have weakened our military to a posture that cannot compete? Like, because you have told them the vaccines are going to make them quote, die suddenly that stupid movie. Right. Yeah. And so it's just all these things. And then 
you know, they got a win there. They got they got it so that the COVID-19 vaccine is not mandatory. And the, I, I just say, why did we cave to that? This is, do you know how many vaccines these guys take? You gotta be kidding me. And here's the thing, if they wanna deploy, if the other country requires a COVID-19 vaccine, they have to fucking get it. So we're talking about the people who aren't going over there, you know, deploying, you know, that really would be spared not to have this vaccine. I mean, this is how much they've done and to the, you know, our, our military power and strength. And it only feeds right into Putin and Xi, like to their other, you know, their their apparent true arch nemesis, you know? Yeah, uh, it makes it makes no sense. It's they're, frustrating. They're also, you know, McCarthy floated out a massive decrease in the defense budget, which to me, I know a lot of people like to say, like, it's kind of a Bernie Sanders dumbass oversimplification of a complex issue. Why are we defending money on defense and education should be spent more? We take money out of the defense. And da, da, da. That was a great idea when I was like 25 or I guess I was 27 when Ralph Nader was talking about it when I was young and stupid and didn't understand how this shit works. But like the defense budget doesn't just mean like guns and shit. It's lots and lots of different things. It's it's uh, research and development. It's things that come out of the defense department, like, um, I don't know, the fucking yeah. internet. And, uh, you know, things that are, <laughs> um, you know, game-changing, world-changing technologies and all this kind of stuff. And not for nothing, we spend the most on defense. And there's been a Pax Americana since 1945 for the most part. So maybe spending a lot of money on defense is actually a good thing. If you look at it statistically, not to mention the fact that lots of industries are tied into it. It's good for the economy. It's good for people that want to join the military that don't have other things that they can do that, you know, the military is an opportunity for people that might not have other opportunities. There's lots of stuff that stems out of the, the defense spending. So it's a, to, to cut that off or to, to claim to is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's veterans benefits too. Yeah. So well, for the they, people, they don't care about that. You know, they don't care of about course, that. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, they've done a number to recruiting too. Like when you talk about these opportunities for lower income or, you know, socio socioeconomically, you know, kind of challenged people who would like to go to college or get out of a small town, like the MAGA Republicans have disgraced the idea of joining the military. And then they use the talking point that we can't recruit anybody for the military, you know, and it's so it's very sad and it's very obvious what they're at least trying to do from from an outsider's perspective and just weaken our position and our you know our ability to defend ourselves so i don't know if they know something we don't but <laughs> no they're just they're you know. working for they're they're working for putin they're doing putin's bidding they're making things easier for russia and harder for ukraine by that to me that's the right now it's such an easy litmus test you know what are you doing to yeah. help ukraine what are you doing or are you helping russia and how and that's it. It's it's this is this is as stark a good versus evil battle as we're going to get in our lifetime. Right. You know, and if you're on that's the wrong right. side, you're on the wrong fucking side. As for the woke mm -hmm. military thing, woke is really just code for they don't like gay people, as I see it, or trans people. And, you know, look at the history of the military. Alexander the Great, you know, not, you know, straight, straight. And uh, Frederick the Great, same thing. Those are two of the three greatest generals that ever fucking lived. So come on, guys, do your do your research before you start bashing the uh, gay people in the military. Ridiculous. Yeah. Speaking of complete contemptible assholes, this is the last big picture thing. So I had Moscow Never Sleeps okay. on a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about DeSantis. I listened. Yeah, yeah he's in Florida. Yeah. 
and said, you know, he checks all the boxes. He's he's a governor. He's got the party machine there wrapped up. He has funding. He's got this, that, and the other. I I I don't think he's wrong. I mean, he knows he knows the the state better than I do, and I'm sure he's going to come out of there. But is that enough to make somebody that? disgustingly unlikable president is that in the murdoch money I, I don't know what 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 are you thinking about desantis at this point uh desantis is he's so dangerous i mean that's just initial reaction um but i i yeah i listened to your interview with uh, moscow never sleeps and he mentioned specifically his control over the state legislature mm-hmm. and that was something that really resonated and stuck out to me because it's very true just the 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 ability uh and the way he can kind of just manipulate the state to create this like authoritarian stronghold over the people here through the legislature who will just do anything i i guess i kind of wonder if desantis would want to leave such a strong position um you know like or if he I mean, there's so many people moving to Florida. Um, you know, you have like, you know, Rumble and they're trying to get, they're trying to recruit Twitter to put its headquarters in Florida. It's like they're kind of wanting to create this like little Venezuela or something yeah. like their own. You know, I almost, sometimes I almost think like, well, maybe he'd rather secede and be his own little, you know, federation of DeSantis fuckwads or something, you know, rather than, having to compete on a national stage because he's not great in debates. He's a fucking asshole. People don't like him um, probably as much or more than they don't like Ted Cruz. He's very Ted Cruz like, I mean, his wife runs the show. He has no emotive capability. He doesn't, he can't make eye contact with people. He's just not as charismatic and as, uh, you know, quick on his feet, I think to compete on a national stage but that's not to say that he won't try and there won't be a bunch of fucking idiots who are like oh yeah freedom you know (laughs) and (laughs) like you know and guinea thomas running around like i say everybody come to my groundswell meeting let's all like strategize you know yeah so i mean they've been able to push uh unlikable distasteful people through before so i can't underestimate the the opportunity yeah yeah that's interesting about create his own fifth it's like a college coach at a really good college program that is reluctant to try the nfl you know if you're the coach of alabama why would you leave to go coach the you know some shit uh professional team but i i call it DeSantistan. you know like i i'm not oh that's a good i'm not gonna go to florida like you know there there's a coin show in florida i'm like i'm not going there I'm not going I'm not going to put money in the economy and I'm afraid that I'm going to get sick when I'm down there because of you know all of the complete public health uh, ignorance of all this kind of stuff and I think the main thing that saved Florida from the numbers initially in in in, in the first surge of pandemic just that it's warm so p- more people could be outside you know if it was colder there it would, yeah. you know, the the numbers would be a lot worse I think um, well, and he also told medical examiners to stop recording deaths that were attributed to COVID. So oh, that oh helps. yeah, cheating helps too. Yeah, yeah. When in <laughs> cheating always helps. Yeah, when in doubt, erase the numbers. the numbers. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to be interested to see what happens, and I'm I'm also interested to see what happens if any of this fuckery going on down there 
which we've talked about on the pod before with Matt Gates, with yes. Joel Greenberg, with these now with uh, Keith Ingersoll, and there's all this this overlap of these very horrible people um, who are in various stages of conviction, indictment, incarceration, or just under investigation. In the case of uh, you know vintage '99 Matt Gates with his Venmo, oh, yeah. So I'm hoping that some of the stink comes off on DeSantis. But I don't know. I don't know if it's gonna. I don't know if people care. I don't know if the crimes are too are too arcane are too um. What's the word I'm looking for? Hard to explain. You know, they're too uh, complicated. Yeah. yeah. Well, conspiracies are usually um pretty you know webby. Like <laughs> there's yeah. you know different threads that lead to different you know mm -hmm. pieces. But Greenberg was sentenced at the beginning of December um for eleven uh to eleven years in prison. When he was being sentenced, the judge basically uh, said that Greenberg, he wanted to give Greenberg more time just for the, you know, the heinous kind of nature and, uh, you know, his betraying the public's trust mm -hmm. as a, you know, public official and the, you know, the sex crimes, obviously. But those were the sex crimes part. He made an interesting comment, which I think may, uh, may help Gates, unfortunately. But he also said, that in his, you know, 22 years in this profession that Greenberg had provided the most significant assistance that he'd ever seen. Wow. So okay. that he wanted to give him more in 11 years, but because of that, he gave him the 11. But he also said that what he, what Greenberg did to his opponent, uh, Brian Butte, who I've fortunately had the opportunity to be friend, become friends with over the last couple of years. Incredible, incredible guy. Totally ideologically different. Um, very different people. And him and I can have these really robust, mature conversations about what's going on. And so um, he's a great person and he uh, was totally destroyed. And the, yeah. the judge even said, like, what you did to him and his family is is just egregious. Like, I've never in my life, you know... He accused him of, of raping students at the school he was a teacher at. And, you know, it was just awful, awful stuff. But, you know, Greenberg's attorney, uh, Fritz Scheller, you could tell toward uh, right before the judge was supposed to, uh, you know, give the sentencing that he was very frustrated with the Department of Justice, with the state attorneys, with just the kind of law enforcement in general that were investigating this because he's sitting here like, why the fuck is my client the one that is like taking the fall for all of these people? Yeah. Like you need to start having courage to prosecute the crimes that we have clearly provided you the evidence, the clear convincing evidence. It's not circumstantial. Like we have given you what you needed. It's time for you to like have the courage to, to enforce the laws that you enforced against my client. Um, he said that, he had provided for multiple, four or five, I think, other men politically, a political status with sex crimes evidence. So, and we haven't really seen much else from that. So that's, it's tough. It's tough to watch this and know that there are these guys out here that, that uh, can wield power and authority like that. And a lot of that has to do with who DeSantis has appointed in certain positions to protect himself, to protect uh, some of the state political apparatus, you know, the the operatives and um, even the legislature there. 
you know, like Jason Broder who had a fake candidate, you know, all these kinds of things. It's really, uh, it's a really defeating thought to, to feel like, okay, do we have any recourse as American citizens when there is this wrongdoing and, and the system or agency in place that is supposed to protect us from these, the, you know, having crime, you know, uh, done against us, um, fail what hap- what is our recourse when we can't elect them out of here you know like w- voting isn't it can't be everything clearly there has to be checks and ways to bring these people to justice yeah that's that's the frustrating part watching it it, it is frustrating and it's frustrating i i think this is a long-standing thing just culturally societally is, is how little people in general in the media, in the thing, seem to give a shit when it's a sex crime against women. You know, Trump, yeah. we knew Trump was credibly accused of rape and sexual assault like dozens of times before he became president. Right. And it just never stuck. It's like people just didn't give a shit. They were like, oh, it's locker room talk and that's it. And this, you know, the I haven't looked into this obviously nearly as much as you have, but some of the just the interplay between Gates and and Greenberg talking about these girls and their girls uh, is just mm-hmm. disgusting and vile yeah. and wrong and and illegal. Just it is illegal. Yeah. And if you're not going to protect the vulnerable people that need to be protected, who you know, what's the fucking point? Like, right. you know, even the Epstein business with with the 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 girls that he was getting from what is it West Palm who the, the, at the high school there that he's right, those are right, people right. that the law is supposed to protect ultimately and if they're not going to protect yeah. those people um from monsters like this who are who are themselves in positions of power such that they enjoy protection i mean Matt Gates operates yeah. he operates like some prince in like medieval times who thinks he has droit de seigneur and is going to burst into the bridal yeah. suite without any repercussions at all. He has political royalty. Yeah, but but <laughs> in Florida, it's like it's not even just a term. It's a, I'm old enough to remember when he burst into the skiff, you know, to have his little pizza right. party. They should have fucking taken him out. I mean, at least yeah. you can't go in there. Everyone's just like he also oh. intimidated and threatened Michael Cohen. Yeah, that's right. Before right. he testified, yeah, you know. But you know, as far as so this is the one thing the judge said that I think may find its way if if ever uh, Gates is charged um, for this one particular uh, 17-year-old. The judge in Greenberg's sentencing said, well, you know, I don't believe that Joel Greenberg is a pedophile. And now I will defend this, and I know that people might get a little frustrated, but um, he was not actively seeking out young children like the website that he was going to they were supposed to have verified age of 18 and over the girl went on there anyway i still i still think it's important to acknowledge that they they realized how old she was and continued right so that i think is important right um but the judge essentially said i don't you know i don't think you know he's necessarily a pedophile that the girl was almost 18 and that she was essentially a prostitute. You know, that is so helpful for Matt Gates, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's really disturbing too, because I think people miss the element of, okay, there is an age of consent and it's statutory rape, all of those things. But there's also a power 
in a position of authority of somebody who has that kind of leverage over you, like whether it's Matt or Joel uh, with, do you know who my dad is? Or, um, you know, I'm, I'm an elected official. Like those things are weapons that are wielded against young women who are either just exploring themselves or, or want to be out there in the world and have a good time or whatever. And maybe they are uncomfortable and they don't want to be having sex with these guys anymore and they want to go away. But those guys are going to threaten them and make them feel afraid to speak out if they feel like they were manipulated or wronged in some way or given drugs and forced to do sexual things that they were not necessarily of sound mind to make those choices. So I think part of the conversation has to be about these positions of power that, you know, kind of push down on women to say, well, you're going to do what I want because I have more power than you and nobody's going to believe you anyway. You know? So it just sucks that the judge said, said that out loud. But, yeah. That's, um, that's disappointing. You know, it doesn't really help. These are guys who this, this stuff I don't think should be difficult for people, just general public people to understand like those are things that if you're watching a show or a movie and the guys say shit like that you know watching it oh we're supposed to hate this guy and think he's bad you know right so it's not that's why that's what i mean about the skiff thing with Mackey. like some of this stuff is is esoteric and kind of you know mm -hmm. is it you know fara laws or stuff like that that's that's you know there's a line where does the line drawn you're not allowed to be in the skiff and you went in the skiff. That's it. Once you set foot in there, they should beat you yeah. up until you leave. I think. Otherwise, what's the point of having it? You know, I don't care who. They you should are. have put him in the in the jail yes. underneath the house. I don't know why they didn't. That they was a, that was a huge mistake, and you know, it's disgusting. Yeah. All right, let's talk about something less uh, less awful. You yeah, know, we were. We <laughs> <laughs> wash that off. <laughs> Um, you were, you were talking about this. There's this thing called organic fresh coin, um, which yeah. is a, which is a cryptocurrency cooked up in some part by people you talked about during our, um, the creatures of the Florida swamp episode of this podcast. Um, Keith Ingersoll is one, this guy, Mikhail Margolis is another, and this crypto, I guess was sponsored by Belarus, <laughs> which yeah. Which makes, first of all, it makes no sense because you're, I thought crypto wasn't supposed to be state sponsored by any state. And that was the whole point of crypto that it, you know, no state was going to tell. Decentralized. It what to do. Also, yeah. why would having the, um, you know, the imprimatur of Belarus matter? Like I deal in coins and banknotes and we have pallets of this shitty Belarusian money because it's worth nothing. Nothing. <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> so it's not exactly a government whose uh, support I would go. And, uh, you know, seek the endorsement of. So what's going on with these guys? Yeah. Or tout it. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, we're backed up. So you know it's good. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> like 60% <laughs> of the time. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've had this, uh, I found this like almost two years ago, I guess now, um, with Keith Ingersoll and uh, Mikhail Margulis and this woman, Yulia Konstantinova. Russian uh, who came through pageants, you know, the, the Miss USA and oh all of that kind of stuff in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so she was on that, uh, this company that was registered in Florida with, with Keith. And now mind you, Keith is, he received a contract 
from Joel Greenberg's office as a real estate advisor. So just to like give you that mm-hmm. quick uh, background on why he matters. But yeah, I uh, eventually um, Brian Butte, who's Greenberg's uh, political victim, he was in touch with a couple of guys, Mike Spencer and uh, Bennett Tomlinson, and they are kind of crypto experts and analysts um, that, uh, that look at corruption and things in, in crypto coin offerings and things. So they really took a really good look at it and they helped explain it to me where being backed by, you know, a country or a country like Belarus would allow potentially for the CEOs or CFOs to actually have bank accounts in that nation. So what happens is it's a way to essentially clean money through crypto and pull cash out okay. in some sort of way or something. I mean, I'm not, I'm not the expert in, in that, but um, um, Bennett has some really good breakdowns of it. And they've written a couple of articles just because it really is a significant story that, you know, I mean, there could be January six money that went through there, you know, things like yeah. this, because Keith Ingersoll was indicted on 41 charges of money laundering and wire fraud um, in November of 2021 okay. with um, James Adamsack. And Adamsack died not too long ago. He had cancer. But three days after, I think it was two or three days after Keith Ingersoll and Adamsack were indicted on these 41 money laundering and wire fraud charges, Mikhail Margulis, his business partner who connected him with the Belarusian uh, Lukashenko, died. And he wrote his own eulogy. The day before which is like oh well that's great foreshadowing mm. you know like i'm going to die tomorrow you will be so sad for me you know and uh this guy mikhail margulis was already under fbi investigation for his um F- association with it was like the russian i think it's k-o-r-s i can't remember what it stands for but um it was maria butina's uh friend was part of it her first interview after her apartment was raided by the fbi was with maria butina on rt okay um and he was part of this organization that was raided by the fbi you know and so mikhail margulis is such an important player um in the 2016 election he actually said that he brought material to congress about Burisma and Ukraine. Mm. Um, he was in Ukraine uh, just b- not too long before he died. He's just a fucking, he's a spy. I mean, he's, he's a Russian. I mean, it's like, there's no other way to, he's dead now. He's a dead spy. Yeah. But, you know, and he was in business with this guy, Keith Ingersoll, this random kind of political financier who is close with, uh, you know, Paula White. And you know some of these <laughs> evangelicals. Uh, Does she live know, in, in Florida? Trump circle. Is she? Yeah. Yeah. Paula White. I. You know, Paula White. For those unfamiliar, is the uh, Trump's spiritual advisor, the blonde lady who says the kooky stuff, and the wife of yeah. Jonathan Cain from Journey. Disappointingly. Yeah, but apparently she stole their money out of their bank account. Yeah. I heard. I heard that. I'm not surprised. Her, her, that, her money and Journey's yeah. <laughs> money went their separate ways. That's it. That's all you need. Yeah. Well, so so Bennett explains it. Um, basically, the crypto coin offering was what ended up rolling through it was approximately 12.9 million. Well, what Adam Zach and Ingersoll were indicted for was bilking an investor out of 
approximately 12.3, did I say billion? I'm sorry, million, 12.9 million. And they were, when they were indicted, it was for approximately 12.3, 12.4 million. So they stole money from an investor and they laundered it. And it doesn't really say in the indictment how they laundered it. Okay. And I would assume the amounts seem coincidentally consistent. Um, there's a puppy. You know. <laughs> so wait, so um, wait. My farm. Yeah. Go ahead. The 12.4 billion and then 12.4 billion. What do you mean by the cons- I said a million. I'm sorry. No, a million, so million. 12.4 yeah. million, 12.4 million. The consistency of the numbers. What do you mean by that? What, what does that suggest? Okay. Uh, so they, what they, they, they convinced a real estate investor that they had properties that they actually didn't own. They had fake documents. Okay. So the investor thought that they were putting money in escrow for these properties when they weren't. And so what was happening is Adam Zach and Ingersoll were taking that money and giving, taking it for themselves, but they would obviously that would, they've stolen it. So it's dirty money at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. So they would have to clean that money some way. So in my judgment, um, which is means whatever to whoever is that they washed that money through that crypto coin because that coin that they offered to the public, it was only ever, however it works. I'm not so sorry. I'm not good at crypto stuff. I think it's fucking dumb, but you know, it was only in two wallets, two crypto wallets. And it was a total amount that, uh, that was used up of these coins. So used up meaning, I guess, they mine for it or something fucking stupid sounds like a video game to me and they mine for it and then they have it and then they can kind of uh, convert that into cash somehow through a what an exchange or whatever so when they stole that money it's dirty money but if they have a coin that they can purchase the the bitcoins and then they can exchange those bitcoins for cash it washes through that coin and comes out clean on the other side and it just so happens that that coin was just about the same amount of money they stole from the real estate investor uh, okay. that they were indicted for. Okay. I'm sorry. I probably didn't explain no, that. No, no, right. you did. I, I get it. I get it now. I just wasn't sure what the two, the two balances was. The whole crypto thing to me is just, it, it it's essentially, as I see it, it's just a way to launder money as Moscow never sleeps said without real estate, you know, it's just, it's a way to yeah. launder money with just some dumb shit that I think up in my living room. And that's what these mm-hmm. guys are doing. And they give it a fancy name. And uh, I, I don't know if you're dumb enough to buy this shit. I, 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 I don't, I don't even have much sympathy, but um, in this case, it's not about yeah. that. It's about the stealing from other people. And what's crazy is neither of these guys and then, and the other people involved in this, like Yulia, and well, Mikhail Margulis is dead, but there was a couple other people on, you know, the, the documentation for this coin offering. Nobody has been indicted for this thing. Nobody's even talking about it except for me and a, a couple of guys who were like, hey, you need some help. You don't look like you know much about crypto. I'm like, yeah, I don't know shit. Oh. Tell you. <laughs> um, you know, it, I just feel like it's a really important note. You know, I mean, that's a lot of money to seemingly just be gone you know, with Belarus and I mean, what the fuck is all that? Why, first of all, where's Florida oversight? Hello, you know? So in, like, instead of cracking down on financial crimes, 
Instead, they're, you know, getting this uh, blockchain, Florida blockchain task force to pilot a program in Florida to, you know, implement blockchain for, I don't know, Joel Greenberg's office, right? It, it sounds, I mean, yeah. so you've got the CFO, Jimmy Patronis and, and Ron DeSantis, who were part of assigning directors to this Florida blockchain task force, you know, during this whole time. And you're telling me they fucking missed this? Give me a break. All of this like sounds like something that Ron DeSantis would brag about um, to the high school girls at the parties he used to go to, you know, um, <laughs> when he was their teacher. Uh, you know, you can well, see yeah, him like me, by the keg, yeah. like, let me tell you about this uh, organic fresh, uh, you know, you know about crypto. Let me know. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have organic fresh food. Yeah, it's going to be, farmer is. It's gonna be yeah. like organic. Dope. Like, put it on the blockchain. Everything will be, everything will be cool. Yeah. I don't really think that. Well, I just wanted to bring me, it up because, I give you. <laughs> you know. People should know that this motherfucker was at parties with high school girls when he was their teacher drinking, you know, I, I don't know. For sure. I mean, I, he also hung out with Joel Greenberg and Matt Gates and Jason Pozzola and uh, teens for America first. I mean, these were, this is, that was his campaign stop tour. Oh God. You know, I mean, this is, these guys are not, uh, they are not far separated, you know, and Roger Stone is right up in that, right up in that whole fucking thing such a political cockroach the guy just can't be killed he can't can't fly so well anymore but he's still around just like you know creating havoc i think he gets the source of his power from the nixon tattoo on his back i think it has special magical oh, yeah, properties yeah, yeah. like it's like yeah we're gonna we're gonna you have if you get the nixon tattoo it'll be stupid but you'll be given immortal life mm -hmm. and da 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 yeah okay so there's a Florida connection, I believe, also to this George Santos guy um, through this. What's her name? Nancy Marks. D did you find anything like what's the what's the connection with him? Um, I don't know what to make of him. I'm still kind of gathering information. Yeah. I guess. It's, it's weird. This whole thing. To me, he's just like a like a shittier version of Marjorie Taylor Greene, where like his whole goal is to distract the media, take them on a, a, a trip down crazy lane where all this other shit is going on and they, but they just can't focus on anything except for whatever, you know, yeah. uh, whatever this fucking guy Santos is doing. Look, I think it's important that he's a fucking liar and that we clearly have problems with uh, voter recourse after the fact yeah. or like you know nothing can be done all of a sudden because you know Kevin McCarthy needs his vote I mean he really was the deciding factor in Kevin McCarthy becoming Speaker of the House so attribute it all to Kevin McCarthy and focus on that motherfucker stop focusing on these like shiny objects that are intentionally put there to ch have you chase them you know I think um, he's an operative I think he uh, is somebody who, again, is being used and exploited because he has no shame, no no uh, empathy, and no sense of, I don't know, right and wrong or, or hypocrisy. He doesn't give a shit. He's getting paid, and he's, uh, you know, there's people telling him he's great, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so I think he's, uh, anyways, his treasurer, I, I suppose on, there's been a lot of digging into him, so I haven't really done a whole lot myself. Um, I did look at a couple of different things just um, in campaign finance because I just names and addresses. I have this weird like 
photogenic memory where if I've seen it before, it's registered somewhere. So if I can look through his finances, I can maybe know instinctually who to, yeah. oh, I should probably look at this company. I've maybe seen it before. And so that's what happened. And I noticed that his campaign treasurer is Nancy Marks, who's in New York, but she was the campaign treasurer for a spoiler candidate in Florida mm. in a, um, in a, a federal race for the house or senate cd cd 27 i think it was and it was this woman um marie salazar that's the one that and just so vanished after right that like left the country and we never heard from her again no no no. this is a totally different one. Oh, okay so this is what's interesting um is because i don't is if everybody's noticed like the republicans have all of a sudden declared that they are like you know, the party of uh, Hispanics and Latino and, you know, that they're going to be like out and recruiting all of these new, you know, Spanish uh, speaking uh, voters and things like that. And I think a lot of that is a manufactured bullshit. Mm. Um, I think, you know, I mean, there's, there were cases where Republican operatives were going down and changing the, um, the voter records um, of Spanish-speaking apartment complexes in South Florida, where they were changing them from Democrat to Republican, and they spoke Spanish. They didn't even know that was happening till they till they went to vote. Oh wow! I mean, it's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, so what? I mean, they were manipulating these people, you know. And who who knows what else? But there's been a huge push to capitalize on, you know. I think they're white white uh, male dominant kind of. Uh, makeup is uh, of the country is is getting smaller yeah right so they have to go to the next kind of closest shade on like the scale <laughs> but you know i'm i mean i hate to say i probably sound horrible saying it but it's it's the only way i can explain it if i'm thinking in their mind like their mind is like who's the next you know we can't really take black people yet right we're going to just go and try and find like maybe the catholic uh or evangelical Hispanics that are more white passing that can, we can bring on into our fold so that we can maintain this white male dominated power. Yeah. And I, I think that that's their target right now is they, you know, have these Spanish speaking propaganda websites that Roger Stone is on in Florida. I mean, it's very, it's very, uh, it's suspicious, but this woman who has the same treasurer as George Santos, who also Hispanic name, Spanish name, she's Salazar, right? And they both have the same like shady treasurer mm. that oversees their campaign finance. You know, I just, to me, it's, it's a, it looks to me because even one of the other spoiler candidates in the original three or four from 2020 Florida was also Hispanic. She used to run Latinas for Trump. So this is not a coincidence that a lot of these, um, you know, shady things are with these kind of political operatives that represent, you know, specific demographic that the Republicans desperately need. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, all of it makes sense. So I was going to ask about Brazil while we're on the topic of, well, Brazil speaks Portuguese, but the, um, there's that too there. A lot of this stop the steal uh, verbiage and misinformation was translated into different languages and just repurposed um, mm -hmm. for Brazil. But 
let's talk about Mike Flynn because I we haven't mentioned him yet, and I know he's a big mm-hmm. thing with you, and you know he's clearly very dangerous. He's clearly right at the epicenter of not just J6, but all of the Trump fuckery from the get-go. He was the first real person to endorse him. He, um, for a brief time, I think people forget this, was going to be the vice president. I mean, they, they were talking right. talking about that. And I think they sort of figured out that if he was actually running, there would be too much heat on him and he wouldn't be able to sustain, to get through it and survive the op research and stuff like that. So they that, that went away. You know, he was the national security advisor for however long he was there. Um, despite being, you know, a guy who is carrying water for Putin, sitting next to him at dinner and, uh, you know, getting all cozy with the head of the uh, the Russian um, intelligence outfits and trying to get them to come to the United States and this and that. And now on J6 uh, of this year, January 6, 2023, that fuckhead Elon Musk put this asshole Mike Flynn back on Twitter, um, whereupon I discovered that, oh, yeah, that's right. He blocked me uh, years ago. Um, I was like, wow, I was going to say something to you, but, uh, but you poor thing. Yeah. You have the misforged. <laughs> I know. Um, and somebody told me, well, you know, these real operatives, they'll just block everybody. They're not going to, it's standard operating procedure. They just block anybody who might tweet anything at them that would cause them, you know, to, to uh, think twice. Um, which explains why WikiLeaks blocked me too, I suppose. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, well, like real journalists, similar, similar crew. Yeah, yeah, it's all the crew. same. It's all the yeah. same people. But what's your take now, like on on Flynn? Apropos the 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 executive order that thirteen, what is it, four eight four eight four eight eight four eight? Yeah, and uh, all this stuff we know about. He, you know, he was pretty instrumental in everything to do with the insurrection, as far as I can see. And yet Absolutely. we're not we're not indicting him. J6 committee isn't talking about him and he's just there stirring up shit. So what's your take on him now? Um, I think that he is the leader of American ISIS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's incredibly dangerous. Um, he is not loyal to uh, the United States of America. He has weaponized the tools and the training that um, the military provided to him against the American people. And whether whether was, you know, mind fucked by, you know, uh, visiting, you know, the FSB or the GR, whatever he did back in the day, you've got to visit and see their operations, you know, um, you know, whether he was mind fucked by that and he doesn't recognize, I mean, I can't imagine he doesn't, or, you know, if he's willfully just, doing this for power or profit or, or whatever it is, it doesn't really fucking matter. What matters is that he is a national security threat yeah. and an imminent danger. I mean, he has recently, um, I, I bought this book. I mean, I'm not ashamed to say I'm going to do this, you know, opposition research. I want to understand what the people who are, uh, who see him as their leader, as their general in the in the holy war that he is waging, what he is telling them. And he has a book uh, called, um, it's like a 5GW manual. So fifth generation warfare mm. manual. And it's just like little pocket kind of, well, it's not a pocket, but it's a book. And it has these gra- these things that he calls diagrams. They're not fucking diagrams, just like boxes with words in them. It's not even necessary. But one of which is 
how to how to how to get people to kill people. That's one of the chapters yeah. is explaining the process of inserting disinformation using psyops and psyacs, which psyact is a is a psychological action that creates a, a, a psychological response to an event that you physically see that uh, that assists the psyop in its goals. I mean, he spells it all out here about it's total projection, obviously, right. but he has since now just kind of landed on everybody. All of his people need to read this book so they know how to wage war against the deep state. This thing is like the Turner Diaries on steroids with instructions. It is so terrifying. And nobody has talked about this book. I've, I'm, I've read it. It's scary. I mean, what, what he is teaching people in this book is how to manipulate your neighbors, how to spread disinformation, how to dehumanize people, how to uh, create in-groups and out-groups, and how to in, you know, insert violence through PSYACs to, to reach your goal, which is political violence. He's dangerous. Uh, he has, you know, radicalized a lot of people that are still in the military, or at least in proximity to power in a lot of ways, or at least with, let's say, just a lot of military background and training. You'll notice that a lot of the people that were involved in January 6th happened to have been at the DIA around the time that Mike Flynn was there, yeah. you know? Um, or were in you know the National Guard afterwards in psychological operation squadrons or groups. A lot of these fucking people are psychological warfare officers trained to disrupt the thought process of the average American. Well, it's not supposed to be American. Other countries, right, to overthrow dictators and shit. But they're using it here against Americans to overthrow real and free and fair democracy it's terrifying you know that's fucking dangerous yeah, it's terrifying <laughs> it really is yeah i feel like i listened to um the podcast where um jill wine banks and victor she interview chris miller and just listening right. to that guy talks i i really i know you 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 listen to these guys a lot um talking i don't like to do that if i can help it but there's this yeah. arrogance about them and this kind of you can tell after just listening to them for a few minutes that they're they're not dumb, but they're not as smart as they think they are. Yeah, and they they lack the 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 ability to admit that they were wrong and learn from their mistakes. It feels like they're constantly I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right when they're wrong, and then it it's veered them down this path towards everybody's against me and they're all the deep state when it's really just, no, you're just fucking wrong. You were wrong about things. You were yeah, wrong. You, fucked up. you were wrong that the Islamic terrorists were worse than the transnational organized crime in Russia. You were wrong about that. Mm -hmm. you, you thought you were right yeah. and you were wrong. You know, plenty of people were wrong about it. There's a, there's a shame in it, but sure. admit it and learn sure. from it. Don't double down. Certainly not now. And uh, as for Mike Flynn himself and his, motivations i i can't speak to that either but the guy was he was you know he was in jail in high school and i know why 
And I'm not going to say, but it wasn't something that <laughs> ding, 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 it, uh, ding, 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 it wasn't something <laughs> that um, that <laughs> that I would do or you would do. It was it's something that that a, a criminal mind would do. And, right. you know, and that's it. And and when you start off like that, when you're 17 years old, are you is that a youthful error or is that just the way you're wired? And I think that it's the way this guy is wired. He he doesn't see yeah. right and wrong the way most people do. And until he's indicted and sent to prison, he's just going to keep doing this stuff. He's never going to stop because yeah. that's just who he is. He sees right and wrong as a challenge. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If he can, if he wanted to know if he did that, could he get away with it? Yeah. It wasn't necessarily that he wanted something or, you know, that he needed it or anything else. It was like, I just, you know, it's testing those limits of his ability to be deceptive. Yeah. You know, do the rules apply to me? All of it. You know? Right. Yeah. It's very dangerous. It, it's, uh, I, I do not understand. I mean, we're now, my God, it's 2023 now. We're seven years, you know, and, and these people are still running yeah. around. And I know that. You know, Mueller did convict them and, and they, you know, the pardons did mm-hmm. happen. That, that didn't not, it's not like we didn't try to get them, but it's, it's, it's mind boggling to me that these people are still, yeah. these people meaning Stone, Flynn, you know, Bannon, mm-hmm. Bannon was convicted. He's still not in jail. I mean, come on. Yeah. Come on, people. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. And he's helping Bolsonaro, you know, yeah. I mean, there's a big difference between Bols- what Bolsonaro did and what Trump did. Right. And that is that Bolsonaro did not speak publicly about the uh, election results. And that was a lesson that Bannon and his operatives like Matthew Tiermond and others, uh, Jason Miller and the other guys, they learned is that Trump didn't shut the fuck up, which provided people to be prepared in advance mm-hmm. of their moves and to try and anticipate their moves. That's the difference is they told Bolsonaro to shut the fuck up. And he was smart you enough, to, and he was smart enough to do it. Yeah, you know? and he didn't go out and like say, "Oh, is this no, 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 no." That way, they can't. You know, they're they're trying to also create that plausible deniability that he had nothing to do. You know, with January eighth and all those people. With the, I was in know, Publix buying avocado. How could I be? You know, I, yeah, yeah. Mm, I'm just in Florida on vacation. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Whatever. <sighs> yeah, mind you, that guy was convicted of like what is it crimes against humanity for all the death COVID deaths in Brazil. Like, I mean, he was charged with that shit, Yeah, you know? So, I mean, but yeah, I, it's just, these people are so, are just incredibly dangerous and we're not, we're not creating deterrence. We're just not, you know? And so all of everybody who has, you know, grief uh, are, you know, upset with Garland. I get it. You know, I mean, it's, this is, there are some people I understand if you have a complicated conspiracy case and you have to chase down this or have a, uh, a monumental amount of evidence against, you know, a political figure, whatever. Okay. Whatever. But we have pardons that should be challenged, yeah. you know, people that clearly were traded pardons for facilitation of an attempted coup. You know, it's not fucking uh, hard to figure out, you know? Yeah. And I just think that, sitting back and just hoping this goes away is careless, destructive, and it will be our demise if we don't get our shit together 
and and we just have to round I hate it, but we have to round these fucking people up and we have to make an example out of them. Because if you don't punish a coup then or an attempted coup, you get a fucking successful coup. Yeah. And to your point about what? about, you know, Trump talking too much about it beforehand, who won't talk about it is DeSantis. He won't make the same mistake. That's right. He is disciplined enough point. to do the things that he needs to do to get to get to power and you know yeah and he would be a good little fascist leader he's boring as fuck he's short all he cares about is the stuff he's got the, the ridiculous wife i mean it's the whole the mm-hmm. whole package is there and uh he hates himself yes. yeah mm-hmm. all, yeah you know all of it <laughs> you know, small hands yeah it, it's all there totally um okay i i Weird white boots, you know, <laughs> go-go dancer boots. He wants to be a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader, clearly. Um, yes. Yeah. And he's got yeah. the, the, the Abu Ghraib thing in his background, too, because of the jag and that and that kind of stuff. So he's, you know. I think, I think he knows uh, Jack Posobiec from that time. Mm, interesting. Just in case that helps anybody connect those dots. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah. Speaking, yeah. Other, speaking of people who have me blocked, Jack Posobiec blocked me ah! a long time ago. That's too funny. Well, I got to tell you one quick thing, and I know I know we're probably running out of time here, and we could probably go on forever. But um, one quick note for you is: remember, I think I told you at one point that the January sixth investigation and the Joel Greenberg investigation was going to collide. You did, right? Yep, you said it. I did. Well, it has. Okay. Officially, you know. So the Proud Boys had a document called the 1776 or 1776 returns it was like a seven or eight page document i think you mean lb talked about it a couple of times yeah. about their positioning and surrounding buildings and a bunch of 50 people like, tops. make sure you read the instructions yeah. first <laughs> like on the front. guess who wrote that um you told me and i should know this but i'm going to blame it on my covid brain that i don't know De- yes. um desantis's okay. kid it- no i don't know who no <laughs> May, oh, maybe he's a love child. Hmm, good question. No, Samuel Armies, or Arms, I'm not sure how to say his name, his last name, A-R-M-E-S. He was the blockchain legislative advisor for Joel Greenberg, paid for by the taxpayers of Seminole County, Florida, who helped create the blockchain task force in the state of Florida. He was friends with Enrique Tarrio's kind of semi-girlfriend, Erica Flores, who is known as like the crypto Miami queen or some bullshit. And he claims that he wrote this document because he learned while he was being groomed for the CIA and the FBI. <laughs> okay. Right. Cause he was such a smart turd, you know, um, he's just one of those techno bros. Right. He always says, right, right. Like anyways, but um, he wrote this document. He claims in anticipation of, potential chaos because of the 2020 summer violence and also because he was inspired to write it because of the terry shivo case what 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 does that have to do with the president he's like 24 was he even alive when that shit happened i don't know but so he wrote this document he claims was just uh he was just putting his thoughts on paper and uh, kind of wargaming you know because he just wasn't you know sometimes he does that well have you ever written any of these before well no i just did it for this one but you know all my friends will tell you i just say these things like kind of thing but anyways so he worked for joel greenberg he was he's the person who put in place 
the Florida Blockchain Business Association, that all of these guys, these crypto guys, Ron Paul, all these fucking, you know, oath keeper adjacent, uh, decentralized anti-government fucks, all, you know, congregate in Florida around this. This guy worked for Joel Greenberg and he was, his, his uh, transcript is in the Jan 6 committee that he is the original author of the 1776 returns um, document that, that Enrique Tario and the Proud Boys had. Okay. I mean, that's. I feel like there's going to be more connections as we move along. I don't think this is the first and only intersection of these two investigations. I think there's going to be more. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is a big one, though. It's a mm-hmm. really big one. That, I mean, that's that document is going to be is being used right now in their sedition case, you know, or seditious conspiracy <laughs> case. So I will tell you that uh, during his transcript interview, he got a Charlie horse. I'm not kidding. And he, his lawyer and the people, inter- I mean, it's so fucking funny. He, you see it transcribed. She typed it, you know, she's typing it out and he's and. His lawyer is like, are you okay? Oh, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, oh, Charlie horse, Charlie horse. Oh my gosh. You know, and she goes, oh my God. His lawyer goes, oh my God, he's on the floor. It's typed out out in the thing. And and they're like, do you need a minute? And he's like, I'm good. I'm good. I just did a a personal best. It was like 425 squats or some shit like that such a douche answer oh my god oh and they kept trying to give him a break and he's like he's doing that like oh no i'm gonna push through it i can answer these questions while i have a charlie horse i don't think i've heard the word charlie horse since i was like in third grade by the way i think that's a you know is is it too is it too unmanly to say cramp no we can't do that well me i mean look he was being groomed which his words not mine Mine for the CIA and the FBI and the intel community all, because all, he's just both the CIA and the FBI. Wow, all of it. He's going to work for all both of, of them at the same time. Wow, <laughs> all of them. It's all amazing. He's a super spy. Yeah, yeah. I get you know. But the best part is his attorney. Um, he's on the floor. <laughs> when they go low. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah, let, let Let's wrap up with this because I can't have you on and not ask about. Ginny Thomas and her ridiculous thing. So I know you wrote a whole thing about this, um, about her transcript, which I haven't had time to, to read in full. Um, I, I heard, I heard LB's dramatic reading of it on Friday and and stuff, but what, what is this 79 days thing? And, and, uh, and broadly, Um, what's your, what's your take on Ginny Thomas with this? What do you think is going to happen to her? Is, Is she really involved with it as much as we think, or is it really, is it more, ideological and she just thinks these guys are great but she didn't actually do anything illegal i think uh i i actually think uh guinea thomas is the tip of the spear okay i do um i she has led a you know what she even calls a 30 front war against uh you know democracy essentially for decades but in particular you, you asked about the 79 days uh project that was a that was a war game. So uh, it was a, a much more um, advanced version of Charlie Horse Samuel Arms uh, <laughs> 1776 project okay. plan. Right? It was a much more strategic, advanced uh, written document about uh, essentially a 79 days until inauguration. Okay. I think the significance of that. 
So it was written, it was distributed, uh, written and teamed by the Texas Public Policy Foundation, which is a, you know, a Coke network funded okay. kind of think tank in Institute of Man- Mass Destruction, what I call them, and the Claremont Institute. Now, the Claremont Institute is where we got John Eastman. Mm. Um, uh, they're, I mean, they also uh, have had Ron DeSantis and Jack Posobiec and a lot of these people we've been already talking about have been part of that think tank out in uh, California. But um, essentially, what in her in her testimony, she talks about, or they're asking her about whether or not you know they had this plan of this alternate electors, and there were emails circulating about. Uh, the 70, 79 uh, days project as early as November 5th. And Guinea was involved in all of it. She coordinated for John Eastman and others to present the 79 days project to groups so that they understood. And, um, you know, she she played really fucking dumb. First of all, she didn't have to swear in mm-hmm. however that, you know, however that happened so she can lie her face off, which is exactly what she did. Um, she claims that she really, you know, she really liked this project, this, uh, this plan that they had listed in there. Um, she tried to claim that it was their response to what the Democrats might do if the Democrats lost, <laughs> which is total bullshit. You'll have to go and read this one section or do a little commercial or one of your really cool like, <laughs> songs or something or whatever you do, because there's this one section where the exact plan that they executed on January 6th was in this, which was they wanted one vote for one, you know, each representative or whatever, and the Senate would pick the vice president and the House would pick the president. Well, in their war game scenario, Antifa, you know, mm-hmm. Antifa came and fucked it all up and injured all these Congress people and they did it. Well, one of the Congress people, right, they were so close on those votes for president. They needed one more vote, and there was a critically injured congressman that said, turn me around in the ambulance, and, like, you know, they turned around, and he was on blood transfusions and, and IVs, and he came in, just, in this valor moment to cast the deciding ballot for, I mean, it was just so, it was, it was like a 12-year-old boy wrote it after watching Mortal Kombat, you know? It was just like, what the fuck is this? And... Guinea Thomas in her transcript is like, well, I thought it was a, a, a quite reasonable and, uh, you know, executable plan. I thought it was really well done. Lady, are you serious? Come on now. She's just, I mean, crazy Facebook lady, yeah. you know, and I, I and she literally from again, from what I've heard, does post crazy shit on Facebook or did, you know, uh, she is my crazy MAGA aunt. You know, but she happens to be married to this guy who's one of yeah. the nine, and there's only nine, you know, Supreme Court justices who are basically taking a fucking battle axe to our our freedoms. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a, she's uh, she's uh, he needs to be removed. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I mean, he's got to go. I mean, he can't even. It's not a. Recu- I'm so tired of hearing he needs to recuse himself. Like, no, listen, he got to go. Yeah, like he th- there has to be consequences and i'm not you know it's not because i mean you know not animosity towards any particular person it's literally as a deterrent to prevent other people from thinking 
that once they're in a position of power, they can wield it in whatever way benefits them and their friends. Like deterrence is a bigger deal sometimes than, you know, individual consequences. Yeah, no, I think you're, I, I, you know, I couldn't agree more. And I've been yelling about this in, in my way for, for years now. I mean, you know, not that I want to, uh, anybody to whatever, but like, if you execute the people that do the queue, then they're not allowed, they're not alive to do treason again. I mean, I'm not, you know, if, if, if Paul, right. like in any other society, in any other time in human history, if there's a coup like that and they round up the leaders, they don't, they don't just do nothing because they're in Congress. They execute them. You know, that's what happens. Oh, yeah. It's always what happens. Yeah. And that's not going to happen here. And we're supposed to be an enlightened country and blah, blah, blah. Even though we execute people in this country all the time. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's not going to happen. And instead, we're just going to do nothing because, you know, it's Matt Gates's father and Matt Gates, and it's uh, you know the, the wife of the Supreme Court justice and da 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 da. But yes, I think that we do have to deter these people. Deterrence, I don't think works. Like if you if you say I'm going to uh, this is a drug dealer and therefore we're going to give him the death penalty instead of putting him in prison. I don't think that deterrence works i don't think other drug dealers are like i was going to do this major drug operation but i don't know they killed bobby i better not like i don't think it works for that but i do think it works right. for treason i do think it would cause these yeah. fuckers on capitol hill to think twice before they do shit like this anymore yeah but i also think deterrence works for privileged motherfuckers yes okay so people who deal drugs or whatever because they're uh, you know, they're surviving, like, because they have to make money mm -hmm. and shit or whatever it is. That's a different level of risk assessment that they take, right. understanding that they are doing something wrong. Yes. So when you have deterrence for these fucking, you know, prissy, pussy little white boys who went to prep schools, who went to the best fucking college, who were given scholarships, even though they're stupid, right? I mean... I just think deterrence works because they are terrified of being irrelevant. They are terrified of not providing a legacy. They are terrified of prison. Yes. Terrified. Yes. So put their ass in prison because I promise you the next little white boy at the prep school that, you know, that sees that their, you know, older brother or their, you know, uncle or whatever is in fucking prison. They are not going to grow up and be like, I'm going to try and, finish what he started no they're gonna go and like stay in line and get the wife and do the thing and they're not gonna try another coup not yeah. not like that so deterrence works for for those preppy little pussy bitches that don't want to go to prison and that you know they're not it's not because they're trying to survive that they're doing these things yeah it's because they're they just think that they should be able to because the rules don't apply to them you know yeah yeah, yeah. So make the rules apply to them, you know? Yeah. Or at least, at least the big rules. I don't know. Give it a shot. Let's try. Yeah. Let's, let's just, just see. Try. Let's see. Let's see what happens. We don't even need it to be all the rules. Just like, just maybe just stop, draw the line at trying to overthrow the government. Maybe just there, yeah. even there, you know, it's yeah. fine. I, I um, <laughs> and I think you're right. They are terrified of prison and they should be terrified of prison because that's the one thing taking yeah. their freedom away is really the one thing that, you know. I, I've maintained, I think Trump wanted a pardon. I think he's afraid of prison. And I think the whole business of J6 wasn't to keep him in power as much as it was to keep him out of prison, 
which is what he fears. I agree. You know, and uh, mm -hmm. again, the way to make this shit stop indictments, convictions, long jail sentences. That's it. That's what we need to have happen. Yeah. So um, well, justice delayed is justice denied because the longer that it is delayed, um, the longer they have to cover their tracks and and gain support for, you know, or when justice may come knocking. So. And concoct escape plans for when they all wind up in, in the UAE a year from now. You know, they're just hanging out there yeah. in some country we don't have extradition treaty with. It's just. Well, Taiwan, we don't. So it's interesting that they're so focused on that. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. But also, you know, DeSantisan is probably a good option <laughs> as well. I, I, I had postulated <laughs> getting rid of Texas and just. Um, in one of the episodes, just saying, hey, the treaty in which Texas was annexed by the United States, as it turns out, it was unconstitutional. So bye. That would solve hey. so many problems. Like people would be like, there's a problem with the border. Well, it's not our problem anymore, mm. is it? So, Sounds like yeah. uh, to Texas's problem. Sounds like it to oh. me. So, And maybe the same <laughs> thing would be true of, of, uh, of Florida. But again, I guess we have to like Disney would be just like West Berlin and we would have to you know, fly in, Yeah. you know, um, I don't know, people to do the rides and stuff, but I don't know, but he wants, he wants uh, Disney gone too. This whole thing is so weird. Um, it seems like so woke. doing, <laughs> right. Doing battle with Disney in Florida seems like kind of not a good idea to me, but what do I know? I don't know. I'm not trying to organize a fascist overthrow. So, you know, I've got better things yeah. to do with my time. Uh, I know. Yeah. Okay. So, um, this was great. It's always nice to see you. We can follow you on Twitter for as long as it lasts at, uh, wait, it's just underscore gal. Sub Is there an underscore in there? Uh, it's gal. Under yeah, yeah. Gal, gal underscore, underscore suburban. Um, you have a sub stack now, which is called, is it called just mindfuck? I forget. Cause you changed it. I think. Didn't you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really, I'm not great at it. I'm worse. I'm still in the, you know, Greg is helping provide me some good information. I think I just... you should do your daily dose like on Substack every day and just do what Heather, yeah. Heather Cox Richardson does, but you know, with the gal flavor. And I think people would like that and uh, it would be a good resource and and worth your time. Um, so I would encourage you to, as I have, but I'm going to do it now publicly so people can hear. I would encourage you to do that. Okay. So that's how we can find you. Your puppies have been very, very well behaved, much better behaved than your rooster. Uh, but I think yes. he just he just wanted to express his admiration for DeSantis and for Kevin McCarthy. I That's think right. the rooster just wanted to, you know, chime in. Um, Bunch of cocks. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We're not we're we'll end there. Gal, great and to see you. Thanks so much for coming on. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. The Prevail theme song is by Matthew Fawcett. Zarina Zabriskie, Marie Kost, and Martha Akuna provided the introduction in Ukrainian, French, and Spanish, respectively. Voice talent is by Stephanie St. John, Tally Briggs, Michelle Cantor, and me. Thanks to Allison Gill, Molly Hockey, Kenai Williams, and everyone else at MSW Media. Please subscribe to the Prevail Substack with updates every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. Your $5 monthly subscription funds the column and the podcast. Visit gregoliar.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Drive safely. Don't forget to tip your server. And until next time, we shall prevail.